You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,184. It's interview number 1,498. We're zooming to our 1,500th interview, and it's going to be an excellent show for you in February. I hope you will tune in, but trust me, we have a great show for you today. Chase Geyser and his firm, Cube LLC has managed millions in digital advertising campaigns. I've invited him on the show today to share the big ideas contained within his latest talk titled The Power of Digital Content Marketing. Chase, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Before we talk about your talk and other things, let's start with you, my friend. Can you share your professional path to where you are today? Absolutely. So my first job was uh, sort of a miscellaneous job, but part of what it entailed was digital marketing. My uh, first employer owned 12 uh, retail locations in central Tennessee. And throughout my process uh, at that job, I learned how to do Facebook advertising and digital marketing for uh, his brick-and-mortar locations. And as I sort of uh, developed my skills over a couple of years there, I started taking clients in the evening. And uh, once my clients were paying me more than my job, I went off on my own. And uh, uh, ever since 2016, uh, I've been doing digital marketing for small businesses all over the United States. Okay, so let's go back to those early days in Tennessee. What was it about you that this owner of these stores thought, hey, I'm going to give Chase the opportunity to work on this digital marketing? stuff. Sure. So uh, I met my previous employer actually while I was in college. And uh, he's the type of entrepreneur that is uh, very creative, uh, very talented, very brilliant, uh, but often disorganized, as many entrepreneurs are and and, uh, small business owners. And he needed somebody like me who could come in and sort of put out fires and close the gaps on a number of different projects. Uh, And so he gave me the shot uh, because we, you know, had a background of knowing each other and been introduced and uh, networked with one another. And uh, I I handled everything for uh, for his business as far as digital marketing is concerned, as well as uh, several other projects. Okay, so how long ago was that? That would have been in 2014 that I started working for him. Okay. And then in 2016, uh, I went off on my own. Okay. Has the world changed in the digital marketing frontier since 2014? It's now 2019, ladies and gentlemen. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I like the expression, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. So there are certain things when it comes to marketing that are timeless. But as far as technology is concerned, the, uh, the, the game is constantly in flux. So yes, uh, there are always changing algorithms, changing strategies, changing approaches. But there are certain things that are timeless that regardless of whatever medium you're using or technology that you're using, uh, apply. Okay. And, and I've got a whole list of questions. And uh, full disclosure, I've seen Chase give this a version of this talk several times to a room, to rooms full of business owners and business executives. The reason that I've invited him on here is because I want him to truly share some of the big ideas that he shared with those uh, executives because I believe our audience could benefit from hearing what he was sharing from a very high level. But the cement is kind of hardened around the channels that you use for the digital 
strategy, though. I mean, the, 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 the fight has kind of been won, at least temporarily, by names that we recognize, whether it be Google or Facebook or whatever, right? I mean, the, the, those parts have, have kind of solidified, haven't they? They have. And in, in terms of what platforms you're using, that's yeah. absolutely the case. But those platforms are constantly changing to compete and offer better services. Okay. So even if you're using the same platform, you're often learning a new language within, that, within the context of that platform. So for example, a number of years ago with Facebook advertising, uh, you could run traffic campaigns to drive clicks to a website or a landing page, uh, but they didn't offer lead generation campaigns. Okay. Now, for example, you can create lead generation campaigns within Facebook where you collect uh, prospective contact information right in the beginning. And so for, that's an example of the platform being the same, but the tools within that platform being different. Right. And so being able to hone your skills and stay on top of that is really important. Well, it would seem that those platforms are forced to continue to rev the value or else someone's going to come in and offer something they're not offering and they're going to Facebook them out, right? Right? I right. Mean, they're going to disintermediate them. Right. So they have no choice but to continue to be advancing the capabilities of their platform, that's, which benefits the users. That's certainly the case. And with Facebook, they have such great market saturation that, you know, when people talk about competitors to Facebook, you kind of roll your eyes. It's like, okay, how can you compete with Goliath? Um, and so for them, it's not even so much as uh, so much about outshining the competition as it is about getting their existing customer base to increase their spending. <laughs> so if they can find, if they can find yeah. tools that work more efficiently right. for their existing customers, Customers and they can make more money off of the market they already have. Yeah, the, yeah. Since so many of us are on Facebook, okay. So before we get into the platforms and the strategies, let's come back and a little bit about you and your firm. What makes Cube LLC awesome? I'd say there's probably three things that differentiate us from a lot of other uh, digital advertising agencies and freelancers. The first thing is. Um, we're all about quantifying results. So uh, oftentimes when business uh, leaders or small business owners approach or are approached by a digital marketing firm or freelancer, they're promised these ad campaigns and they're promised this reach and they may even be promised a number of clicks, but they won't be promised uh, a return on investment. That's sort of the gamble, right? Right. And so what we focus on is how we can make sure that we're tracking uh, how many customers you're actually getting from our services and then quantifying uh, that that uh, bottom line increase uh, and crashing it against the ad spend so we know that you're actually making more money than you're spending with us. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I wrote down is we primarily focus on uh, making sure we're integrating with your team. So we work with small business owners that have a, at least one dedicated salesperson or a dedicated sales team. Okay. And we'll make sure that all of our services integrate with the systems that they're already using, whether it's Salesforce or another CRM, or this person needs to get emails for leads like this, and this person needs to get texted for leads like this. We make sure those systems are automated so as leads come in or business comes in, uh, your team can handle that seamlessly. And then the last thing that I want to emphasize is just constant adaptation. It's kind of like what we were just talking about. The platforms stay the same, but the tools change constantly. Uh, and making sure that you're constantly uh, maintaining the ads that you're running, the campaigns that you're running, uh, doing the research, watching the performance, and making the changes that need to be made on an ongoing basis is different from a lot of agencies, which will set something up for you and then walk away. Set it and forget it. That's right. Right. And it works for a while, and then it's broken, and then you, that's when they get the call. Hey, it's not working anymore. That's right. Right. Oh, let me go back in. All right. Well, you kind of answered it in the previous question, but I want to give you another chance to help the audience to see the... I, I believe entrepreneurs should have a niche or a series of niches in which they they flourish and so i'm just curious uh of all the places you could take your skills you said small companies but could you put a finer point on the niches that you serve yeah so um we saw we serve 
really any size company as long as they have at least one dedicated salesperson. Okay. Uh, and we've served uh, businesses that offer a service or a product, uh, but we found that uh, we have more success with um, sort of higher ticket, um, more uh, geographic range, right? So we'll work with national brands. Uh, we'll also work with local brands if the local uh, uh um, geographic information or demographic is highly populated, right? So we want to make sure we can scale. Uh, and we found that it's a lot easier to sell one person in a $1,000 product than it is to sell a 1,000 people a $1 product, right? <laughs> so we, we prefer to work with businesses that have a higher margin, right? So we'll work with um, uh, realtors, attorneys, uh, businesses like that that really uh, benefit from having leads come in for their services, right. and then they can make a significant amount of money over uh, a long period of time off of the same customer. Why did they have to have at least one salesperson? Well, uh, our niche is really in lead generation. We do online sales and e-commerce, but lead generation is where we've really found that we've, we've been successful for a number of clients across a number of industries. Okay. And if there's not a dedicated salesperson, uh, it's really hard for us to get that return on investment that we want for our clients because we can provide them with 100 leads a day, which some clients we do provide with 100 leads a day. And if they don't have a salesperson following up quickly with those leads, then they're not getting the conversions that they need. So that brings me back to the follow-up question I wanted to give you was, what's the challenge of being willing to stand on an ROI based on sales? Because some of it's out of your control. So the way you're you're putting up uh, control on that is m ensuring they have somebody, at least one person, who's going to do something with the leads. Right. And we we do an interview process with our prospects. You do? And we say no to a lot of prospects. You do. If their website's too poor or uh, if their systems are in place or if they seem disorganized uh, or if there are a lot of startups that we just don't know if it's going to work or not, okay. we, we're really careful to make sure that we don't do business with people unless we think that it can be successful. Okay. So teachable moment here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast with Chase Geyser. Why is the website so important for the work that you do for your clients? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So it it, it depends on the client, but um, a lot of the services that we offer drive traffic to websites. Okay. So if a website is uh, not mobile responsive, or if it's very pixelated or unclear what the product or service offering is. They get lost when they get there. Then kind of thing. we can drive traffic night and day to that website, but nobody's going to do the desired behavior like filling out a contact form or requesting a demo or getting a quote because the it's not clear there. So we'll work with clients to, to make it right, um, but if they're not willing to make that change, then we just have to say no because we don't want them to spend money with us and not have a good experience. Okay. And, and so it really is kind of an entire package that's required online to be capable of driving the sales to their fullest potential. Absolutely. Right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. That's right. I'm, because what we're asking people to do is give discretionary effort, whether it's click here or whatever. And that is the magic moment. If you can get someone to do that, that's the hardest part. And But my sense is if you don't carry it on from there, you're going to lose them pretty quickly, right? In Absolutely. this day and age. Absolutely. They're going to follow your bait or your click, but they're going to jump off the site if it doesn't give them what they expect. Right, okay. right. So so you're really doing a holistic kind of coaching with the people that are open to helping optimize their digital content marketing strategy. Yeah, I never thought of myself as a consultant, but uh, it does turn out that a lot of what I do is consulting clients. Uh, so, you know, we offer very technical and specific execution services, but there is a lot of coaching that goes along with it to make sure that the results of those executions are maximized. Right, and that changes and improvements that you help them to do outlast maybe the campaigns that you run for them. Absolutely. 
So they benefit long-term from these changes, right? That's absolutely the case. Great. Well, we're talking with Chase Geiser, in case you forgot, and he is the founder, the creative genius behind his firm, Cube LLC, and we're going to get to his website a little bit later here on the radio show, Critical Mass, radio show and podcast. All right, drum roll. Uh, Let's talk about this awesome talk that I've seen you give, like I said, multiple times. First of all, What's the main idea behind the talk? Um, the main idea is, I wrote it down uh, specifically, but it's, it's, it's that consistent, relevant content that brings value to your audience ultimately results in a higher bottom line. Okay. So when a lot of companies are thinking about what to do with social media and they're approached by branding agencies or marketing agencies, uh, a lot of times it's really hard to quantify this sort of taboo expression of brand awareness, right? Mm-hmm. So let's run an ad and show people who you are, right? And if there's not a, if there's not beginning with the end in mind, if there's not a way to quantify how that sort of a campaign is going to perform, then it can be a waste of money. Uh, or even if it was a successful campaign, if it's not, if it's not tracked properly or analyzed properly, properly, it can be a waste of money. And so, what we try to do with this talk uh, is make sure that we're re-emphasizing the importance of consistent, relevant, value-driven content with a retargeting path in mind or strategy in mind so that you can uh, retarget those who engage with the content that brings value to them uh, when it's time for you to make the ask for their business. So uh, is, is your experience and what you do, let me, let me give you back what I heard you say, that people who respond to your marketing messages one time can respond a second time or a third time if you give them the opportunity through retargeting. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for example, if, um, if let's say, a fashion line um, uh, runs, runs a series of, of content, uh, you know, what hat to wear in the spring, right? Or great best hats in the spring, mm-hmm. right? Let's right. just say that for an example. And they run that content over an eight-week period. Once a week, they have a new article about that, right? And then they don't ever retarget they're probably not going to see a lot of business because of that because they didn't begin with the end of mind, right? Even if they have a ton of people clicking on that article and engaging with it. Right, but, and getting value out of it and right. sharing it. And. But if you publish that sort of content that brings value, you're not asking for business, but you're, you're, you're providing content that's consumable on a regular, consistent basis. If you do that over time and then you retarget the people who engage with that content with your ask, like 40% off hats or whatever your, whatever your ask is as right. a fashion brand, then they're way more likely to convert if they've engaged with that content that's sort of brand awareness right. content, right? Right. So um, uh, ultimately, that's also the main thing that I learned, kind of when when, when we were putting together this 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 presentation, is that you really can monetize uh, content that doesn't have a direct ask. Okay. And um, in his talk, he opens with an awesome video that reinforces the idea that we are being impressed by m- messages, even if we are not consciously aware of it. That's right. Um, I wrote down the name of the guy in the video. It's a, it's a seven-minute video you can find on YouTube if you just search subliminal marketing. His, his name's Darren Brown. Yes. And what he does in the video is he has two designers uh, come to the studio to design a logo for a taxidermy uh, brand and uh, with a tagline as well. And along the way to the destination where that um, sort of challenge is going to happen, uh, there's all these 
subliminal messages that are presented to them uh, al uh, along the route. And it's really interesting to see how the logo and the tagline that they come up with uh, are so clearly informed from the subliminal images and right. messages that they uh, unwittingly witnessed along yes. the way. And so that just goes to show that um, having brand presence consistently in your audience, uh, in your audience newsfeed, or, or in your audience mind, uh, really can be monetized uh, if you have the right strategy, uh, exit strategy for that. Right. And what I really loved about the education you gave to those CEOs on those occasions is that that feels everything up to this point feels like that's a big brand opportunity. You're Pepsi. You sponsor sporting events. Your name's everywhere. People know Pepsi. Your Coke, whatever. With the technologies that you explained and the ability to really fine-tune who you're going after, this idea of being present to, to your prospects can be done by small and middle market companies because you don't need to spam. You don't need to send it out to so many people because using the tools that you shared with, our, with those audiences, you can really hone in on the kind of people who are most likely to be your customers. Absolutely. And you, don't have to get a billboard on, you don't have to get a billboard on the five. Right. <laughs> right. You don't have to take an ad in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? But you can really find it's almost because you give an example of how you were able to demonstrate you could really target a very specific psychographic or person or right based on a habit or location it's amazing how much a small business can use these tools to really identify if they know who they want to go after absolutely and be present for those people that's right which means you don't have to overspend right that's right i i think um i I'm not quite sure on this, so the listeners will have to double-check my facts, but I believe in 2018, the average cost to reach 1,000 people on Facebook was under $10. I think it was even under $8. Uh, but it's it's remarkably inexpensive to reach reach your audience using Facebook advertising. But it's not just any 1,000 people. Right, the right 1,000. It's the one that you know that are likely to care. That's right. So it's even, I mean, it is, it's not only can you be, but you can be so precise. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which takes time and effort on your part. One of the things that you shared in the talk that I'd like you to kind of help people to understand is the iterative nature of doing successful kind of marketing programs, digital content marketing programs. The need to test and, and resolve and figure out what is the most accurate message to get the desired result. Because again, we're talking about getting people to do something, and that takes effort. Right, absolutely. Well, the example we use in the talk is uh, the story of the black moth in the United Kingdom. And um, some of you may have heard this story before, so I'll try not to butcher it, butcher it too much. But um, before the Industrial Revolution, there were uh, many white moths in the United Kingdom because there was a particular tree that had uh, white bark on it. And the moths could be could safely land on the tree and be safe from predators. But after the Industrial Revolution, of course, the soot from the factories blackened the bark on the trees, and only the black moths survived. And the white ones died because the black ones were protected uh, and camouflaged. And so we take a similar approach with our marketing, where we'll run sometimes up to 200 different variations of ad sets, which is different ad creative, different ad copy, different audiences that we're targeting, uh, different offers as well, and. Every day, we will chisel away the low-performing ad sets or the uh, or campaigns that we're running until we're only funding the high-performing ones, so that mm -hmm. we have this black moth that's left that can survive and flourish. And so that's sort of the approach that we take uh, with our marketing efforts. And, and what I uh, what I think I understand from your talk and it is exciting for businesses like that listen to the Critical Mass Radio Show and podcast is you're doing this 
over a period of time, but you're doing it in real time. I mean, you're quick. You're quickly. It takes a certain amount of time, right, to kind of set, but you're getting this information and you're making these decisions every day. Yes, twenty every twenty four to forty eight hours, we perform updates depending on how much the client is spending. Yeah, right. Okay, I don't want to overcommit his services, sure. but. <laughs> The idea being you don't have to take an ad out in a magazine and wait a month to see what happens. Or exactly. It, you're doing it real time. We don't have time for you to go through the entire exhaustive table of contents for your talk. But I'm wondering if – and we and you just didn't do it alone. You did the ones that I've seen. You did it with Jason Duncan from Miller Farm Media. Mm-hmm. And and so we wanted to make sure we gave a shout-out to Jason as well. Absolutely. He's been on the radio show before our audience knows him. He's awesome. What is kind of the table of contents for the talk that you gave? Well, we start out with that video that you mentioned with uh, Darren Brown um, uh, for the subliminal marketing that we uh, to set the stage for how important it is to be present in your in the mind of your audience, um, and then we go into um, the Pepsi Challenge. We talk a little bit about and how uh, Coca Cola wins in the Pepsi Challenge, not because it actually tastes better, which double blind tests show that it doesn't, but because people, when they know that they're drinking Coca Cola, because of the story that Coca Cola has told, enjoy it more, mm-hmm. and then. Um, we go into uh, how to tell your story, and Jason's really an expert in this because of his background in video, and his, his video company really does very professional uh, uh, work in helping businesses tell their story on video in a way that you can really get an ROI with. Um, after we go into telling your story, we highlighted some basic tips on how to make sure that you're managing social media in a consistent way using tools like Buffer and Hootsuite to schedule posts ahead of time. Uh, and then finally, we end with the exercise where we walk through and help everyone in the audience uh, create their elevator story. So instead of an elevator pitch, it's this elevator story of who you are, who you're helping them, how you're helping them, and then what the result is when you help them. Mm-hmm. And so by framing it in terms of a story, we're hoping that we can really help our audience uh, uh, rethink the way that they're they're sharing who they are with their market uh, so that they can help more people with their product or service. So um, are there other resources or things that are available beyond that kind of build on the talk that you have made available uh, or are making available to people? Now, I, I have you on the show because I want you to share the knowledge like you're doing, but I also want the community to know that there's two guys out here who are doing an awesome one-hour-ish kind of talk that middle market business owners find highly valuable because the response to your talk that I've seen directly has been super positive. So I'm sure you guys would be willing to give this talk in other venues if people wanted you to do that, right? Absolutely. Um, Reaching out to Jason Duncan, who helped me with the talk at millerfarmmedia.com, is a great way uh, to start that conversation, uh, as well as reaching out to me on uh, www.cube.is slash awesome, or you can email me at chase at cube.is. How do you spell cube? C-U-B-E. Okay. Like the shape. Just like it sounds. Yeah. I came up with it when I was in a cubicle. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but as far as third-party resources are concerned, yeah. I recommend um, All Marketers Are Liars by Seth Godin. Sure. It's a great book. Uh, also, Confessions of an Advertising Man by David Ogilvy is a wow. great book from Classic. 1963. Right. Classic. Um, uh, when I was at the beginning of this conversation, when I mentioned that there are some things that are timeless and some right. things that change, that would be an example of a timeless marketing advertising book. And plus, if you're a fan of Mad Men, uh, I believe Don Draper was largely based off of <laughs> David Ogilvy in that show. So it's a great book. I 
read it in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at you. He's a prodigious reader. I know that he likes to read, and he reads a lot. Well, um, you've given me the stuff I was going to ask you, so uh, I'd like to thank you for being a friend of the program, Chase, and a member of the Critical Mass community, and uh, just tell you how impressed I have been with the presentations that you and Jason are giving to the CEOs and business owners here in Orange County. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, the engineer and the owner of octalkradio.net, and our three producers, without whom we could not do this show each week. We did four live shows here today, and you made it all happen. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. And I'd like to uh, say, if you want to connect with me, let's start with LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 